Um, I know that as a wholesaler or somebody shopping off market, they can be kind of viewed at as predatory, trying to lowball people for their houses. And that's not how I see it at all. And that's not a situation I would even want to be in. Um, when I come in there, I don't even want to um, talk to them if, if they're not interested in receiving my assistance. If I'm not going to try to lowball them and be super pushy, super salesy. I only really like it if it's a situation where we can create a win-win situation with each other. I'm providing them value, maybe helping them out of a really sticky foreclosure situation or probate situation. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, we have an amazing episode for you today. We have Taylor Wing on, and we are so fired up. This man is a military active duty in the army. I mean, this guy's got crazy stories from left to right. He's jumping out of planes, shooting big guns. He's a man of health, so he's got big guns. He's got a big portfolio. He's making big moves. He's like the true definition of like a rags to riches story. This guy is so exciting. And you have a sense of awareness of mindset, which is obviously one of the things that Tim and I love so much. And you are coining a phrase, not necessarily in the future, but now you're coining a phrase called dogs for dollars because most of your deals have come from walking your dog. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Thank you so much for being on. And guys, if you're listening, this guy has built a humongous successful creative finance portfolio in a very short time while working a job. So Taylor, thank you so much. And if you don't mind, take us into your craziest real estate transaction or experience you've faced so far. Awesome, man. Uh, Tim, Matt, thanks a ton for having me on today. I'm super excited to just talk about what I've accomplished and provide value to others. So thank you for giving me this avenue today. Crazy stories. You know, as far as the real estate thing, I feel like I've probably ran into a little bit of everything now, whether it's crazy evictions, crazy stories going through rehabs. But I'll just tell you kind of what's what happened recently with, with that property that we were trying to finish up. So we were pretty much almost done with this entire rehab. So I've already spent all my money. This property is like ready to be listed, ready to be uh, retenanted and finished with the, it was a back end of a burr, uh, ready to get the financing in there. And right before we're done, I've already spent all this money, uh, like a, crackhead or something breaks into this thing, uh, goes in the crawl space and just rips out literally all the electrical underneath, all the plumbing, and and then like crushes a couple 40s and then leaves them. And then I don't know where he goes after that. But <laughs> dude, that added like so much more uh, to the back end of my budget, man. I was so pissed. But things like that happen, you know, and it, you know, added another month or so or a couple weeks at least. Uh, to my holding costs um, and of course you know electrical and plumbing is not super cheap to fix but we got it done i put in i had to put in a new hvac system too ripped out all that stuff Jeez. so stuff like that happens crazy stuff like that happens but it's all part of the game we play it totally is yeah not only did you get the smash and grab but he threw a couple 40s on the ground to you know, <laughs> yeah so i was like man he's having a good time while doing this thing too <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So I want to hit you with the question right out the gate. So you have bought a lot of properties on creative financing. And one of the things that's really important to us to communicate to our audience is that one, you could do this thing rather quickly and you could actually do it on not having to do so many transactions. If you had to create a strategy where you would retire in less than five years on less than five purchases, how would you do it? 
five years and five purchases. Less, less than um, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Less than five purchases. I think then you really have to maximize the, the type of asset that you're buying. And so single family homes are fantastic. I mean, that's where I started too. Um, but if you're doing single family homes and renting long-term, I don't think it's gonna generate enough cash flow in under five transactions. Cause I have a dozen houses in, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, and those dozen houses don't even, they're not even kicking me off enough to be financially free. So if you're trying to do in five transactions or less, I would do one of two things. One, you either need to go to the commercial side and start looking at some some bigger uh, properties, whether that's multifamily, uh, self-storage, uh, triple net type leases, um, go that route. Or if you wanna stay in the single family or smaller multi, you gotta look towards uh, more creative, like a midterm, short-term rental strategy to really maximize the cash flow. Because if you're looking to be financially free, you're looking to quit your W-2, you wanna retire, then you gotta, you gotta maximize that cash flow that's coming in because you gotta replace that income. So I would either do a short-term rental, mid-term rental strategy, or you gotta go some some bigger type of purchases and get some bigger properties on the commercial side. Love it. True or false? You you can retire, and let's say we set retirement as $10,000 a month because that's the number I hear over and over and over again from investors. If I get to 10, now some people say 15 or 20, but most people say 10. Can you retire in less than five years in real estate? Can you create $10,000 a month? 100%. We, I mean, we are a prime example of that. And my original plan, I made a 10-year plan, um, but I wasn't really satisfied with that because I, I wanted to transition out of the military. Uh, you know, before in 10 years, that would take forever. I might as well just retire at that point with the military. So I condensed a 10-year plan into about two years. Um, and now after two years, I can tell you that we're financially free and we make more than 10K a month net. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Let me make sure I get this right for the audience. Two years. Is it, did you say that right? Like in two years, you, holy smokes. So give us, give us a rapid succession, zero to two years. Like just, just take us through how you went from zero to financially free. Absolutely. So my first property I bought was literally April of 2020. Uh, that was the very first house I bought. And this was not a super complex transaction. This is how I, first of all, recommend anybody to start uh, getting into their financial freedom or real estate investing journey. Of course, everyone's heard of house hacking strategy and that's what we did. So I use um, a VA loan since I'm VA loan eligible, but anybody can use an FHA loan as well. And I just bought a single family home. Uh, I didn't even buy like a small multi, which you can buy one to four units, by the way but I just bought a single family home. I didn't know anything at this point. I was just a second lieutenant and I was on a deployment. I was just researching real estate while I was over there. I had some extra time, came back, bought this house. um, And luckily the market wasn't crazy back then. I mean, actually you could probably get a a negotiate at least a little bit now with the market. But back then I got the seller to cover all the closing costs and I moved into the property with zero down. So I got a check for like 200 bucks to move into a house, rented out my spare bedroom in that, one spare bedroom paid for my entire mortgage. So I was effectively living there for like a year without a living expense. And I was in the military, we, you know, you get basic allowance for housing. So I was just pocketing all that income. And that was able to kind of snowball into a, enough of a down payment to do my first burr. So house hacking to start and then using creative methods like burrs or sub twos, seller backed notes to really like snowball this portfolio into what it is now. Because when I was starting, again, 
brand new lieutenant, didn't have any savings or anything like that. I had like a, a $35,000 career starter loan, but I turned that 35K into a, like a $5 million portfolio in two years by using that money effectively, being able to recycle it and structure um, financing solutions pretty creatively to get into deals with uh, pretty much little or no down. Absolutely tremendous. I love how you said you condensed a 10-year down a plan down to two years. Did you do that intentionally or is that just kind of how things naturally evolve? <laughs> a little bit of both, you know, because uh, I wanted to be realistic. So to me back then, 10 years sounds realistic. Like I would have never assumed I would have over 10K a month net coming in within a couple of years. So I thought 10 years sounded realistic to me, but it's truly amazing what somebody can accomplish when they really focus their mindset towards something and really hone in and almost become obsessed with something. I was obsessed with being financially free. I was obsessed with um, pursuing my passion. So I kind of, all my efforts, my brain power was focused on that one concept and that idea. And I was able to make it happen in, in two years. So I would have never thought I would buy like 10 houses in a year, but that's what we did come right out of the gate. So it's, you can truly accomplish some amazing things when you put your focus to it. One of the things I love most about real estate is what you mentioned. If you put all your focus in it, you can get there and you could set up enough passive income or at least not, doesn't take much effort to set you up for the rest of your life. Unlike things like your health, where you can't do that with your health, right? You still have to eat healthy and lift weights if you want to look good. I'm, I'm still looking for the passive income strategy of health. Um, you, you, have, you have seemed to found it. What, what I'd like to talk about is, so you're, you're jumping out of planes, you're shooting big guns. You know, did that at all, that activity or the psychology that led you to that activity, did that also lead you to success in real estate? Was it like, hey, I like risk? And therefore the risk transfers over or tell me about your passion for the military and doing big things. Yeah. And I think the military, it's like a double-edged sword. Uh, so there's good and bad coming from the military. I think going into real estate, uh, I think the good thing for coming from the military side is we're, we're highly adaptable. We're highly flexible. Um, you know, in the military, you, you can plan uh, a mission or plan an op order. And once you actually hit the ground, everything, Murphy's Law takes effect and you're just going off the fly and you just got to make decisions, make things work. So I think coming from the military, we're also like a little bit of a, a jack of all trades. We can do a little bit of everything. We're not really specialists in a certain thing, but we can just figure things out and accomplish the mission. You know, whether it's humanitarian aid, whether we got to go and, and blow some stuff up, whatever the mission is, like we go in there and we figure it out. So I think the military does prep me for that side of it being highly flexible, highly adaptable. And plus I, you do look at risk a little differently. Like I know a, a house can be a lot of money and there's a lot of risk when you put, you know, your like a, a large sum of your own money into a deal, but it's a different risk than if you're like out there in the field and you're shooting big guns or if you're in harm's way, um, it's a different level of risk. So um, even though it's a little bit scary to do some deals, it's, it's not like life and death. So automatically, you know, you feel a little, you feel a little bit better about that situation. So I think in that way, the military is awesome, creates a lot of great leaders. Um, a lot of great people in our society are doing great things that come from uh, the military community. So love that. The only downside, I think, is that people coming from the military, we're like highly regimented. We're told exactly what to do and how to do it. There's like literally manuals for every little task that you can think of. And we fall, if you want to learn how to do something, you got to follow that script to the T and that's how you do things. So 
moving from a government like military mindset to a, an entrepreneur is like a complete 180 flip. Um, as an entrepreneur, there's no script to follow. Like you're out there by yourself. Um, you're figuring things out on your own. You're taking all that risk. Um, it's a different way of thinking because you have to be a little bit more on your feet, a little bit more critical when you make decisions. And like I said, there's nobody to tell you what to do. There's no script. Nobody's giving you an order. Uh, it's just whatever you think is the right decision is what you're going to roll with. So that's one way I think coming from the military makes it a little bit harder is because you can just read a book and, and learn how to do your job. It's a little bit different as an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's so interesting. And we had a buddy rushing on our show a little while back and he's a military person who's built a really amazing business. He says the same thing. And, and then, I mean, actually several of our same thing. It's like they, they often equate life and death as the threshold. So anything that's going bad in their business or difficulty, they're like, well, I'm not going to die. So let's just keep rolling, which is super, super cool. Tell us you're jumping out of planes. I, I mean, I'm assuming like a lot, there's a lot of technical things where there is like a rule book, like one, two, three, but like, if you're jumping out of a plane on a mission, there, there probably is a sense of like, you got to like survey that particular situation is jumping out of a plane, similar to being an entrepreneur. It can be. It's a little chaotic. You know, you don't know where exactly where you're going to land either or how you're going to land. So <laughs> I see it in that sense, you know. That's awesome. Give me a little more context on that. Like when you're jumping out of planes, does it get routine? Is it super exciting? Like get like if, if the audience wanted to wanted to jump out of planes, like give me a pitch for it and against it. Yeah, I it's exhilarating. I mean, every time I do it, you know, my, my adrenaline pumps, no matter how many times you jump, um, for me, I get nervous every time. It doesn't matter. Um, but it is, it's pretty exciting stuff, especially if you're an adrenaline junkie, you're going to love it on the negative side though. It's not, <laughs> if you're doing it like in an actual, like a combat jump, it's not really that fun because, you know, even in training, we do all of our jumps pretty much in the dead of night. So it's pitch black. You're jumping out there into darkness. You can't see anything. You don't really know where the ground is. So you're just kind of hoping you land pretty decently. Plus, you know, you pack in everything that you're taking to the field, you're packing it on you. So I've got over a hundred pounds of, of stuff dangling up between my legs, between my rucksack, my, my M4, all my ammunition, my food that I need, my water that I need for three or four days out there. So it's a lot of stuff and, and radios that are dangling between your legs. So your back hurts like hell and you're, you're carrying so much weight. And so you hit the ground hard. So it, it kind of is not fun once you include all those factors in there. Uh, but it, it's still like cool stuff. Like how many people in America can say they've jumped out of a plane in the middle of the night with all this combat equipment and, you know, hit a drop zone and started, uh, you know, doing different training and missions off of that. So it's a cool experience to tell people that you've done that and you've been there. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious, are there any mental strategies that the military prepares you with? Because you mentioned some discomfort, obviously, jumping into a combat zone, which totally makes sense. That's logical to me. Um, do they give you any mental strategies in order to prepare for that? Or how does that work? You know, and uh, I never jumped into a combat zone. The last combat jump, I think, was Panama. But, you know, I've done a lot of jumps for training. Just <laughs> to make that clear. I'm not like a World War II Band of Brothers guy. But, um, you know, I think... I think the military just, you have to be ready for those challenges because it's a teamwork aspect to it. It's a brotherhood. If you don't, if you hesitate out the door and you don't jump, then you ruin it. You ruin that mission for everybody else. Cause there's, 
there's a dozen other guys behind you and we all need to get on that drop zone as quickly as possible. So if, if you hesitate and you and you ruin that mission for everybody um, in a combat zone, you know, a combat situation that could that could be life and death. So you, you can't afford to to hesitate. You can't afford um, to, to be scared and let that control you because it's going to affect your brothers out there. Absolutely, man. Um, so I'm going to dial this back a little bit because you said something super important before you said as a negative, like the military had such detailed standard operating procedures that it made it so easy to learn a new job. So as you're creating your new business, have you adapted their SOP strategy or something similar to it in order to make it easier for you to teach your new employees? Yeah. So I still, I still, I, I do kind of almost write like a standard operating procedure to train like uh, virtual assistants or other people that are doing uh, those kind of like lower tasks for me. So I do kind of bring those uh, that doctrine over from the military side. But I think the biggest thing I'm bringing from my service into the entrepreneurial world is just a lot of the values and principles that I kind of are ingrained in me from coming from West Point, coming from the army, things like um, honor, um, courage, commitment, those, those kind of ideals that really um, stick out to me and kind of how I see myself. Um, and that, that's the kind of uh, way I want to live my life. So those principles absolutely are what I bring into the business world. Love this. And honor is typically a word like when you think of cultures is usually associated with Eastern cultures. And so can you dive into what does the word honor mean to you and how does that play out in your life and business? To me, honor is everything. And I mean, I, I do come from Asian, Asian background. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I have Japanese descent in me and uh, I kind of grew up knowing kind of like the way of like Bushido and stuff and, and, you know, being an honorable man, being an honorable warrior. And my dad kind of really ingrained that in me when I was young, you know, taught me to be honorable in everything that I do, whether it's sports um, in the classroom, but I, I needed to be a warrior. And I needed to be humble about winning, losing, everything you do in grace. So that was kind of the way I was raised. And then going into West Point too, um, honor is one of like their key words. Like I think their our catchphrase there is um, duty, honor, country. So it's it's literally within like the 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 framework of how the organization was founded. Um, so honor is everything. And if as a man too, I feel like all we really have is our, our name. In our honor and if you spoil that there's no way you're going to get it back it's it's gone forever um because you've already soiled that so i think it's important everything that you do needs to be done honorably if you do business um dishonorably you're going to get blacklisted um if you're out there in a military environment and you and you do some shady things um you know you're probably going to get tried and do it like as a war criminal so everything you do absolutely uh, must be done to the highest degree of honor there. That is so awesome. And so this translates, of course, into the real estate world, because as you're trying to build rapport with people that you're going to buy properties from, do business with, et cetera, those become some pretty important values. So talk to us about how acting honorably has led to you getting deals and your business growing. Yeah. Honor. Yeah. I'm glad you covered this one because I think that's the way that I've actually closed most of my deals is I, I show people that I'm an honorable man. I'm, I, I work with integrity. I just, honestly, I, I'm not even saying those things. I just show them my true colors and I just show them who I really am. 
I'm not a salesman to them. Um, I'm just somebody that they can talk to and I'm somebody that can make, I can solve problems. I'm not here to, um, I know that as a wholesaler or somebody shopping off market, they can be kind of viewed at as predatory, trying to lowball people for their houses. And that's not how I see it at all. And that's not a situation I would even want to be in. Um, when I come in there, I don't even want to um, talk to them if, if they're not interested in, in receiving my assistance. If I'm not going to try to lowball them and be super pushy, super salesy. I only really like it if it's a situation where we can create a win-win situation with each other. I'm providing them value, maybe helping them out of a really sticky foreclosure situation or probate situation. I can come in there, give them a, still a good offer on their house, help them walk away, enjoy life again, um, live a little bit more stress-free, and I can come in and solve the problem because we're, we're experts at that now. We know how to solve these types of problems. So we're here to solve people's problems. You know, we're not a predatory business um, and we just conduct ourselves with honor there. So that's, I think that's how we close deals. We don't force things. And one of the beauties, because you built your portfolio off of creative financing, one of the beauties is that of that is you can offer a lot more for properties than people who are paying cash because you don't need to get the return on your cash plus the return on your time and, and risk. So kind of talk to us about that. Like the portfolio that you've built, how have you been able to give more to your sellers and how does that make it easier to be honorable and to have a great sales process? Yeah. And I'm okay with giving them pretty much whatever type of cash offer that they want. If it's a creative financing situation, um, all I really care about is two things. I need to cash flow as long as I can cash flow at, at whatever purchase price that you need. And then for two, I need to get into that deal with little to no down. So if you do need a down payment, uh, you know, can we not do a down payment or can I just put in like 2,500, five grand and, and we can start financing this thing. So if they can meet me with terms, I can meet them all day on price, which is why creative financing is really cool because some people are really stuck on a certain price and they want a certain price. I don't know, maybe they feel like they won if they can get a certain price. So I can give them that price all day long. If you can give me terms um, and kind of meet me halfway there so I can cash flow and get into this deal, I'll work with you all day and sell. Love creative finance for those reasons. 100%. Um, you said something super important before. You said you guys are experts at solving other people's problems. I think this is like if you put business into a nutshell, like if you could just master that one skill, becoming an expert at solving other people's problems, it's hard to fail. So, I mean, I'm just curious, have you always looked at it that way as you're coming in as a solution provider or did you evolve along your journey in order to come to that conclusion? That was, yeah, that was definitely something we had to evolve into. Um, and a phrase that I think works well for this is, uh, the moment you, you stop chasing dollars and you start chasing value is the moment that the dollars will just come to you. And that's something I had to kind of learn along the way, um, is that, you know, I got, I got to stop chasing money. Um, if I go out there, create value, whatever value is out there in society, if you can go out there, create it or solve problems, the money's just going to come. It's just, it's inevitable. So that was definitely another kind of mindset switch that I had to make. I had to figure that out as I got into real estate investing. It's a huge one for me. Yeah, it's so interesting because this all started for most of us because of a desire for freedom. And so we think, okay, I want to be free. And so therefore I need money. And so it makes logical sense to chase money because that's what you're after. 
And then you come to realize, wait, people don't care that I want freedom. They don't care that I want money. They just want to be served. And so then it, it, it's an evolution to come to, okay, if I'm solely focused on solving their problems, solely focused on providing value, then of course it actually gets me what I want. I'm just thinking through the fact that you have built your life around the virtues of honor. You've gone into a profession that's very honorable and get, builds credibility for you. Like there's a sense of when people are in the military, they're trustworthy, which is absolutely awesome. And then you've gone to a second level of trust, which is you have a dog and you walk that dog. And that's probably just who you are. But was there any strategy behind that? Like, hey, I'm a military guy and I've got a dog. Nobody's going to say no to selling me their house. <laughs> yeah, using a, like a pathos, like a emotion to, <laughs> to right? get them to sell your house. You're just like, are you going down your checklist? Like, okay, how can I get people to love me? Okay, I need to go get a dog. Kind of walk me through it. Yeah, it's luckily I just happened to get a really like cute little multi-pills too so you know you really can't say no to that one um but it was, <laughs> it was kind of honestly an accident because awesome i would i would just walk my dog anyway just you know to get my steps and get exercise and of course i need to walk him too because he's freaking crazy um and i just happened to you know walk by properties every now and then that were would be vacant or you know obviously abandoned and in need of some repair and uh I started getting when I started getting into real estate, I was like, man, uh, like I started noticing because a lot of people, they drive by these properties every day and they don't even notice them because their, their eye is not uh, tuned in to finding them. So once my eye was tuned into actually finding these properties, I, was, I noticed, man, I'm walking by these properties all the time. And I started writing down those addresses or just going and knocking on those doors. And just by doing that simple thing, knocking on a door and having a conversation with the person literally can change your life. Because uh, that one house I door knocked, which is two doors, I think two or three down from where I used to live, uh, I happened to find that, or I cold called him actually, because I, I happened to realize that it, that house was vacant. And that deal alone, I think we, I got like $115,000, $120,000 uh, equity off of that deal. And that was just from literally walking my multi poo down the neighborhood. So it's like something so simple can create so much value. Um, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, I love that you had the small dog too, because I was going to kind of make that joke too. Like, hopefully it was a cute dog. Um, cause then you could be walking it in uniform with a little cute dog. It's like, Hey, I want to buy your house. I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty warm way to go into a, a transaction. I really want to hammer in this point, right? Because like people talk about driving for dollars all the time and a lot of people don't do it. It's like, you weren't even driving. You were literally just walking your neighborhood. You knocked on a door and you made over six figures, right? In equity. So to those of you listening, like, just go out there and start doing this. Um, <clears throat> so like, obviously you started walking the dog for dollars. Like, where did it evolve from there? How did you choose to scale the business? Yeah, from there, I mean, for a long time, I was just buying maybe a property a month and I was kind of doing everything myself on my free times because being in the army, my time was very restricted. So this is almost more of a, like a hobby at this point or like a side hustle. So. On my free time, I would just make enough time to find a couple properties, maybe make some calls, um, or maybe uh, pull addresses, whatever I was doing for lead generation. I would just do it on like the weekends and stuff. But now, now that I've got a lot of deals under my belt, within this last year is when I really started focusing on a business 
around it. And so now I'm actually investing a lot more money into systems, um, not just doing a, a dog walk here and there, but it's systems that are creating consistent lead flow for me, like websites, SEO, PPC, Facebook ads, uh, VAs. So now we're going from more of just a side hustle mindset to like, I'm going to be a, I've already made the decision. I'm going to be a full-time real estate entrepreneur in six months. So now we're getting very serious. Um, and I'm really excited to build this business out. That's so cool. I'm just like seeing you in the next phase of the journey. And obviously you're going to the websites, which is super cool. Cause I was wondering, is your next step getting a baby, having the baby stroller out there on the walks too? It is. Well, you're, 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 taking, <laughs> you're taking it to the next level. Love this. So where do you see this heading? Like you've created, like, as you mentioned, financial freedom for yourself. So absolutely great job. You did it while working. So all the excuses of, Hey, I'm too busy. I'm working. I have a spouse, all this stuff out the window. Where, where do you see this thing going in the next 12 to 18 months? 12 to 18 months, man, that's, it's going to be a really crazy, but exciting time for me because within the next 12 months, I'm getting out of the army. I'm going to be a full-time entrepreneur. Uh, I got a son on the way coming in June. A lot of life updates. I'm moving all the Congrats, way down brother. from South Dakota. Thank you. From here to Florida. A um, lot of life changes. Um, so what I see for myself is for one, I have my real estate business truly built out. I want to be closing like 10 deals a month from that that business. And I'm, I'm also right now in the process of building out like my coaching business. And I, I really, really have a passion for uh, teaching others and showing others like you have the ability to effectively change your life and the trajectory of your family's like financial future forever. If you are able to execute now and so I'm going to do that. I'm going to go out there and I want to create a million other millionaires out there um, that don't have to work until the day they die. So I'm working on this coaching program right now, and I'm hoping I can build out something that's just um, truly exceptional and I, I want to change lives. So um, we're going to do more real estate and we're going to change lives in the process. Cool. I want to know more. You were on the Bigger Pockets podcast and you essentially sold or bought a deal on creative financing when you didn't have very much knowledge of it. And so not only were you able to fill in the gaps on the fly, but you were able to get the seller on board, which usually it's, it can be challenging sometimes to get the sellers on board, let alone have your own. So can you walk us through your very first deal on creative finance, like how it felt, how the process went, what you said? Yeah, I'll run you through my first um, subject to deal. And that was the one that I kind of mentioned before. That was a couple doors down from my primary residence there at Fayetteville, North Carolina. So for that particular deal, that was the one I walked my dog and you know noticed it was vacant, gave the guy a call. Um, and then he, I think he didn't answer, but he called me back and I answered the phone. And it was a perfect situation. Well, not, not perfect situation, but um, he gave me a call and he told me this. He's like, you know, I'm a vet too. Because um, I mentioned I was a veteran. So we had that instant rapport built already just from being within that brotherhood. It's like, you know, I'm a vet too. Um, I bought this house with my ex-wife here and I don't live there anymore. I'm not in the service anymore. Um, and, you know, we kind of had a, a real bad falling out there. Um, so this house is honestly draining me. It, it's, it was like the mortgage is a thousand bucks a month. It was taking a thousand dollars away from him, you know, and he's, and he's just like me, you know, we're, we're not millionaires, we're government government employees here. 
So he's losing a thousand bucks a month to this property. Um, and him and his ex-wife, you know, they weren't on a good enough terms to get this thing fixed up and, and get a tenant in there. Um, so it was just, I could hear like the, the stress when he was talking to me, like the, like the severity of the situation, like it were, if something's like affecting you, it almost affects you physically. Um, so he wanted to get this property just off his hands. He, he didn't even, didn't even care what, what the terms were and anything. He just wanted to get off, get it off as soon as, as soon as possible. And we chatted enough to where he kind of trusted me in a way. Cause I'm like, Hey man, I'm your neighbor. I live at this address right down the street. Um, and I would love to buy this house, man. Like I'm a, I'm a vet too, you know, um, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty decent guy. I'm a family man. And I want to buy this house. I want to put another military family in here. I'm going to, I have the, the ability to fix this thing up so that you can walk away from this property and I can close this thing super quick. If you, if you're open to hearing what I have to offer, I can close this thing within like less than two weeks, man. Um, and so you're going to walk away happy. You're not going to have that thing draining you and this community. Our neighborhood is going to benefit because I'm going to get this thing looking nice, get another nice family in there instead of, you know, vacant houses are never good for communities. People can kind of squat in there and houses rot. So the community is going to win. You mentioned an interesting word there, community, and you mentioned it a couple times. How important is that to military that that they're? I I think especially our community, I think is very tight tight knit. Um, it's almost like once you're out in the civilian world and you meet another vet, you automatically kind of have that instant connection. Like we're part of the same tribe, the same cloth. We come from the same like kind of upbringing. So I think that the military community is, a, is an awesome community to be a part of. Um, and I'm just, I'm a big guy. That's all. I'm a real like big team guy, community guy. Like I love uh, bringing people together, breaking bread, um, creating bonds. So whether it's just my community that I live in, it's the military community, um, other brotherhoods. Um, I just love being a part of, of a system and a team like that. So uh, I'm a big guy that, that just loves being a part of a community. Love it. Give us an idea. What was the purchase price on that deal? What did you have to put into it? What did it rent for? What were your monthly expenses? Give us an idea of the full financial picture of the deal. Yeah. So this deal was, was pretty awesome, man. So again, I, I sub to this one. So I, I just assumed the, the liability for the payments. We kept the financing structure in place. So it was still in his name. I was a third party authorized user on the account, making payments on his behalf. Now there was about a hundred thousand remaining on this loan. So I went in there, put about 15 K into this property, just a nice little cosmetic rehab, made it, made it nice again. And on the back end, it appraised for 215, 220. And so boom, automatically I realized, man, I have like $120,000 worth of equity sitting in this thing. And so normally on a sub two, I would keep that financing structure in place, but there was so much equity in there. I'm like, man, I got to tap into this. So I ended up doing like a, a DSCR. Um, asset-based loan on it. And, and, you know, we got a loan that's up to 75% of that loan to value. Um, so we pulled out a ton of equity there, um, paid off the original note. I paid myself back for um, that rehab, the, that 15K. And then I, I pocketed probably like 30 grand or 35 grand or something like that, um, like profit, almost like a reverse flip on that thing. And uh, right now I think the mortgage is um, like maybe like 950 or something like that. Um, but it's renting for like 1600. So it's a, it's a nice little cash flow rental property and it's 
you know, brand new renovation. It's got 25% equity built in there. Um, again, I got 30 grand out of it. So like a uh, complete big win for me there. That's just an awesome deal. So on this deal, you get paid 30 grand. You're going to make $500 a month in cash flow for the rest of your life. And that number will go up as rents go up. And what, what was your, what was your deal into it? You had a few conversations, you solved the guy's problem. You did a little mini rehab and you got a loan. And for that, like, yep. let's say you own this thing for 50 years at $500 a month. So that's $6,000 a year. So you're going to make 300 grand minimum. If rents don't go up over the next 50 years, you got paid 30 grand. And then there's the fact that property values go up. So this could be a half a million to a million dollar purchase. And, and how much, how much did you pull out of your pocket again to buy it? Uh, I paid about a thousand bucks in closing costs. That's it. Goodness gracious. Yeah, it was pretty gangster. <laughs> that is super gangster. Like, like where in the world? I mean, like you would have to hit on the perfect stock to go from a thousand dollars to half a million dollars. Yeah, that is wild. Like kudos. It man. was an awesome deal. So you're well on your way. You got financial freedom. You're getting ready to leave the military, so you go full time real estate entrepreneur. Once you have a billion dollars in the bank and a hundred lifetimes of cash flow, like what's your life going to look like? Wow. You know, I, I, it's, uh, I even think it, for me, it was hard to fathom to even be where I'm sitting at now. And so it's, it's, again, it's hard to fathom to be at that next level, <laughs> but, uh, ideally the, I mean, the main reason why I wanted to transition out of the military and, and be a full-time entrepreneur, um, number one, I need to give my family, uh, as much time as possible. Um, and I need to be there, especially to raise my son. I want him to be um, an outstanding young man. I want him to be better than I ever was. So I want to be there first for my family, have the time to actually be home and, and raise him. Uh, I just don't want him to be raised by the system without my input and making him like an outstanding young man. So number one, I'm going to have the time to give my family. Uh, number two, I want to make the world a better place. And I'm still trying to figure some things out. Um, again, I think my if I do coaching, I can help other people achieve financial freedom. I think that would give me a lot of satisfaction too. Um, but then I'm also thinking about starting a, a nonprofit down there. If I had that much money, I'd love to have a nonprofit and help out my community in other ways, um, whether that's giving um, young men scholarships. Because um, I know when I was that age, I didn't have a, a college fund or anything. I had to kind of figure out how I was going to pay for education. If I can help other young men, get an education. Um, I'd love to maybe set up something where they're getting scholarships or maybe I'm helping the, the veteran community in some way too. So um, just want to make the world a better place, man. Make it better than when I was born. So when I die, I leave a, a legacy there. One of the things that I love so much about that episode was just that dude has so much, Taylor has so much humility. Mm -hmm. He's got that, that, that perfect combination between like, he's got big goals that he's not going to compromise on. He's got drive, he's got intelligence, and he's got humility. And so I think it is so evident, at least from sitting in on my seat, just being able to ask the questions that like, people are going to naturally trust him. Like he takes care of his mind, he takes care of his body, he's thinking of others first. And he's being very direct with people about what he wants. Like, hey, like I want to buy this property so I can build financial freedom for my family. And so I think that the combination between transparency, honesty, like you could feel the authenticity. Like it's no surprise to me why at the age of 28, he's financially free.
Absolutely, without a doubt. And, you know, actually, when you started working with me, one of the things you mentioned is like share your story with your clients. And I think that's one thing that he nailed from the very beginning. Because he's like, hey, I'm your neighbor. I'm walking my dog over here. We're trying to create this thing. And I think him sharing that story um, has obviously helped amplify his success because, I mean, he really did it in a great way. And it's, I think it's fairly easy to share a story that is so wholesome. You know, he grew up learning honor from his father. He grew up, you know, going to the military, going to West Point. So he's a college grad. He's a, he's a military person. He's got a very, very easy to tell story. Like it's all, you know, rainbows and butterflies. What would you say if someone didn't have that kind of story? Like they had a story that you would naturally want to hide from the world, right? Still share the story. Yeah, I was about to say, definitely she'll still stare, still share the story because it's even more impactful then. Um, if you're vulnerable, generally speaking, people are going to open up to you if you open up to them. Absolutely. And it's like, if you've got some skeletons in your closet, like a lot of times, once they're stated, if you deliver that news with confidence and then you can show them a clear path to where you're heading now, then it's like, oh, okay, cool. It becomes part of your testimony. I just know like, you know, being involved in the ministry and, and different things as a younger person, it's like, sometimes there's a lot of coolness in people that have had challenges and struggles. It, it brings like an excitement to the story, especially when there's been a, an overcoming or a redemption that happens at the end. So, you know, I just want to encourage anybody, whether it's someone that has an amazing story like Taylor's, that is just all amazing. Or if someone has an amazing story in the sense that they made mistakes, but now they're overcoming. Like you can leverage either of those by just being authentic and, and sharing. What are you, what would you think, Tim, are some of the other key elements? Like what is the secret sauce behind Taylor? Um, just taking max massive action seems very clear, right? So like he was just listening to stuff on the radio, bigger pockets and taking his dog out for a walk. And he started knocking on doors. Most people don't have that courage. Most people never start taking that action. So, I mean, if you think about it just in its purest, simplest form, it's like you don't even need to drive for dollars. You could walk for dollars. Like Just pay attention, open your eyes and, and start taking action. I think that is the primary thing I got from that. hundred percent. From a sales perspective, one of the things that I love that he said is so one, he's doing a local community thing. So he's using words that are very meaningful to the people he's selling to. Since military thrive on community, he's using those words. They're meaningful to him. They're meaningful to the person that he's, he's trying to work with. And so that's going to make it more likely that a deal can get done. And the second thing that I love is that he actually said the address of where he lives, not on the show, but to the guy. And I think mm -hmm. like in extending a greater level of transparency, a greater level of vulnerability, he is delivering his address and in that way, communicating, Hey, like, like we're in community together. I think that is a very powerful part of the sales process for him. So just that the fullness of that authenticity going down to like, Hey, like I got nothing to hide. I'll even tell you what my address is. So. Absolutely. Tremendous response, Taylor. Um, Dude, thank you so much for coming on, sharing everything that you've experienced, giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. Um, love what you said there. The moment you stop chasing dollars and you start chasing value, the money is going to come. So to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you do nothing else, commit to taking one action. If you're out walking your dog, 
out going for a jog, maybe start knocking on some of the doors of some of those shitty houses you pass by. You might make six figures. Tell somebody you know that can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one.